is for me. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of His wind and mercy. When all love is sudden. So 
Well, in case you didn't get the message, we have a good dad. That is the message. We get to enjoy our life because we have a loving, gracious, awesome Heavenly Father who is great. Now, I was thinking of a couple, a couple other messages while I watched that video. I grew up on a farm, and when you went into a barn and played in the mud, you were getting a whole lot more than mud. <laughs> and I couldn't help but think, ooh. <laughs> but you know, that little phase, I don't know if you caught it, but they kind of intentionally drug it out. That little phase between when the boys saw their dad before they realized he had a hose, they kind of drug that out intentionally. Because that actually is where we live. It, it typifies the age of grace that we live in, that there is an age to come in eternity when the full hose comes out and we get to enjoy all of the overwhelming grace of God in heaven. We're all looking forward to heaven, right? But we're not there yet. And that's where we're a little bit apprehensive. I mean, we hopefully, we know our Father is good, but there is that little bit of apprehension, isn't there? That little bit of, and that's where we live. And that's where we find ourselves at times with a lot of fears and anxieties and misunderstandings and what's going on. And it's odd how much of our life ends up being out of our own process, out of our own head. We, we end up living out of our own heart, our own head, and our own ideas of what, what really is God-like. And your view of God is going to end up impacting everything about your life. If you're going to enjoy life, you're going to have to enjoy, learn to enjoy the amazing grace of God. I want to talk to you about that. Enjoying life, a fruitful life. A fruitful life that God has for you. I'm going to start by a quick story of a couple of years in my life where I wasn't, I certainly wasn't enjoying life and uh, wasn't enjoying much of a fruitful life. In the first couple of years that we started the church back in 1996, uh, we came up here and I didn't really know what I was doing to plant a church. Hadn't really read much about it. I knew God sent us here, but I didn't know what I was doing. So we started... Our big launch, we had 12 people show up. Woo, it was awesome. Were any of you guys there? No, you weren't there. <laughs> I'm not bitter about that, really. Uh, week number two, we had six people show up. We were headed in the right direction fast. And during that first uh, couple of years, no, it, it did, you know, some people came out. It did grow a little bit, but it was a tough couple of years. Probably only about 40 people were showing up at during those first couple of years. And not only that, uh, but somehow or another, we got some people who, who called themselves Christians who were crabby. Is it possible to be a Christian and be crabby at the same time? Well, we proved it. We had some crabby Christians in the house and it was just, uh, it was just hard. It was hard for me. And bottom line, I got to this place where I'm discouraged. Man, I'm frustrated. I mean, when, you, when there's only 40 people and somebody's missing, you know exactly who's missing, and I can remember just internally, I mean, during church service, when I'm supposed to be lifting people up with God's word and, and worshiping God by his Holy Spirit, I'm, we're supposed to be enjoying the grace of God, and here's your pastor internally, what's actually happening on the inside of me, rather than enjoying the grace of God, I'm, I'm like growling on the inside. You ever get so discouraged, you can almost hear it growl in your stomach, like, Argh. And I'm just saying that, you know, why isn't so-and-so here today? Oh, why, why, why didn't those visitors come back last week? There was that new couple, they showed up, and after the service, they told me how awesome it was, and they're not here. Oh, I'm frustrated about that. I'm not, I'm not being fruitful. The church isn't growing. Why? Oh, and I'm frustrated about all sorts of different things. Ultimately, ended up being frustrated with God. 
Like, come on, God, this is your church. You told us to come here. It's your church. Why aren't you doing more? Anybody ever ask God that question? Come on, God, why aren't you doing more? And I recognize, gosh, we're in a spiritual battle to build his kingdom, but I'm asking God that question. God, why aren't you doing? I think we've all asked that at one point or another. God, why aren't you turning this around? Why aren't you doing more? Well, I'm gonna, we're going to just look at a scripture of an uh, example from the Old Testament. A man by the name of Joshua is leading the Israelites into their promised land, and he's facing some real physical battle, and God gives him an interesting command. God says to Joshua, this is my command, be strong and courageous. When you say those words, say, be strong and courageous. That's kind of an interesting command. Now, we're used to commands like, don't commit adultery, okay? That, 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 that makes sense, okay? That's something I can completely control, right? But be strong and, is that just something, is that a switch you can just flip? I picture you in the weight room, and the coach comes in and just says, be strong. I mean, isn't that something you kind of have to work towards, right? Isn't that, can, can you just be strong? Well, apparently God thinks you can, or there's some aspect of that. And then, but, you know, that's almost a little bit easier to understand than the next one. He tells them what to be, and then he tells them what not to be. So be strong and courageous. And again, remember, this is a command. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Can you command that? Isn't that kind of an internal, you know, internal emotion going on? in this? Now, what, what would make more sense to me is for God to command, now, Joshua... In spite of your fear, in spite of your discouragement, I mean, you're going into real battle, and, and I understand it's hard. And in spite of that, I command you to keep moving forward. Fight the fight. Keep, now that makes sense, because that's something I understand. Okay, I can control that. But sometimes I, I feel like, well, I can't really control what's going on inside of me. I can't control my discouragement. And we all get discouraged. I mean, that's, that's more of a guideline. You know, God's just kind of giving you good advice. Try not to be overly discouraged. Well, let me ask you, when God gives you commands, are those just guidelines? When God says, do not commit adultery, is that just just a guideline for you? But, you know, we all have our bad days, you know. (laughs) Or is that kind of a hard and fast rule? Now, if you're sitting there next to your spouse, this would be a really good time for you to say, that's a hard, fast rule, Pastor, right down the middle on that one. Well, and it should be, hopefully it is, but isn't it interesting that we seem to treat this one quite differently? Wow, I mean, you know, we all have our bad days. I think God is serious about this. He's serious. He's telling Joshua something to look out for. He's telling Joshua that this is actually an enemy. And when it shows up, it's proof to you that you are listening to the, long, to the wrong voice. You're listening to a wrong voice. You're believing something aberrant. He's saying, don't allow yourself to go there. God thinks we have control of this. He's commanding you not to do it. It's not just a guideline, it's a command. And then he tells him why. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. From God's perspective, in God's mind, anybody who understands and has a revelation of him and his presence, in God's mind, those two can't fit in the same box. You can't have a revelation that God is with me, God is for me. God's grace is with me and at the same time be discouraged. That's why he can command it. Because he knows anytime you're giving into discouragement, you've forgotten this. You've let go of that. You're believing something else. You're not believing he's with you. Well, during those first couple of years that I was so discouraged, I would have, I could have proven to you, if you'd have sat down and listened to me, I could have proven to you that the reason for my discouragement was the defeat I was facing. 
And I know how it works. You face hard things, discouraging things, defeating things, and they produce discouragement in you. That's the way the cycle goes, right? Defeating things produce discouragement, right? I mean, everybody knows that the wheel goes this way. You face something discouraging, defeating, something hard, and you get discouraged. And then that wheel, now everybody would agree these two are connected. And we all think it rolls this way. It starts here. You might notice these arrows go both ways, though. Is it, enti- is it possible that it's actually rolling this way? Is it possible that actually discouragement is actually what is producing the defeat? Go back to Joshua. God's giving Joshua this command. Joshua, you're going into battle. Do not be discouraged. I mean, if God has already determined that you're going to win, so is what, God, is, is what God's really saying, Joshua, you're going to win one way or the other. You're going to win whether you're grumpy, crabby, discouraged, defeated, whether you're, you know, internally, regardless of how you feel about it, the result is going to be the same either way, but I kind of want you to enjoy the journey, so don't be discouraged. Is that what he's saying? Or is your internal state of heart and mind have everything to do with your outcome? Gang, it's it's B. It's, It's the latter. It's not that God's already decided it and whether or not we choose. And to some of you, maybe the most important thing that you need to hear, because I'm going to give you some, some biblical things uh, you know, about overcoming discouragement. But for some of you here, you, the main thing you need to hear is you need to start treating discouragement the way God sees it. And for some of you, you just need to figure it out. Because the, the things I'm going to give you, there are, there are more steps to overcoming discouragement than just these things. But you need to figure this out. If discouragement has been camping on your doorstep for a week, a month, or a year, you need to quit treating it like a cat and quit feeding that thing. It's time to realize, I've got to get rid of this. Treat it like the way God says to treat it. It's a command to get rid of it. So which of these comes first? Is it, is it, our, is it the good life? Now, this is what I would have told you. That as soon as good things start, would start happening in the church, as soon as God would start showing up and doing the things he promised to do, well, then I could enjoy it. Getting that wheel's actually rolling the other way. If we, if we believe God's word, what actually starts defeat, it starts in here. It starts in us. Again, I would have said that it was because defeating things were happening in the church was why I was discouraged, and actually it was the other way around. Can you imagine coming to church I mean, would you want to stick in a place where the leader of the church on the inside, even while he's preaching the word of God, is discouraged and he's kind of, that, that negative thing's going on. And can you, let me ask you a funny question. Can you hide discouragement? N- not on Facebook. I, I mean, in real life. C- can you hide it? You might think that you can, but are you really honestly hiding it? Is it, gang, it comes out. It comes out real faith impacts your heart. When you really know that God is with me and God is for me, you can't hide that. And when you don't believe that, you can't hide it either. You can't hide it. See, actually what comes first is enjoying it. When I say enjoying life, I'm talking about enjoying the grace of God, enjoying God, enjoying the fact that God is for me. Everybody say that. Say God is for me. me. Believing that to the core and getting a revelation of that to the point where you believe it, and once you believe it, you can face a shocking amount of discouraging things on the outside, and you end up changing them rather than them changing you. (laughs) Try to control yourselves, please. Don't get too excited here today. That's actually how it works. It starts 
on the inside. Enjoying life starts first. Happiness. Whether or not you like my choice of words, I'm talking about the grace of God. I'm talking about enjoying God. I'm talking about a revelation that your dad has the hose. It's just faith starts first. Now, before I go any further, I'm going to give you some, some scriptural things of just what brought me out of that. And I'm going, to, I'm going to share that with you. But just before I do that, just a really quick side journey. Because what I'm going to share with you is not the only answer to discouragement. And let me just give you this. The greatest tip you'll ever get as far as overcoming discouragement, other than what I'm going to teach you in just a minute, I'll, we'll get to that. But just keep yourself a journal. Do yourself the world's largest favor and start keeping a journal. I don't write every day, but I'll probably never go a week when I don't write down just the basics of what's going on in my life, what's happening. You know, if you'll do nothing more than this, at least once a week, answer this question. Start out with this. I should probably, and then just finish the sentence. And write it down. I should probably, and then just finish this, force yourself to finish that once a week. Write it down. So you can look back at it. Because I guarantee you, when you find yourself a month or a year into a discouragement slump, if you'll go back and look at that, to your utter amazement, you're going to find that the living God has been telling you to do some things that you are ignoring. And when you don't do what he tells you to do, Bible study doesn't bail you out. Do you know that that's true? Just going back to the, oh, oh, I'm just going to read my Bible. Now, don't misunderstand me. Reading your Bible is wildly important. But when you don't do what he says, ultimately you can't keep going back here and think that's your answer. You have to do it. Well, how do I know? Because a lot of times people are are in that spot. Like, well, I don't know. Okay, Pastor Brian, I want to do whatever God wants me to do, but I don't know what it is. How will I ever know? This is not rocket science. Keep a journal. God is talking to you all the time. He's, He's showing up in your life. Whether you know it right at that moment, if you'll keep a journal, you'll look back and you'll be like, oh, oh he's been saying that a lot. I've had that same answer a few times. He's, God's been talking to me about that. Dang, every one of us, when we show up on Judgment Day, Jesus said that out of your own words that you would be judged by your own words. You know what that means? On Judgment Day, everybody who, who sees areas where they failed is going to hear out of their own mouth. They're going to hear out of their own mouth what they should be doing. They're going to sit as they, as they, judgment day, you're looking back, you're hearing your own life. Nobody's going to be like, oh, I had no clue. I had no clue what I was supposed to do. You're going to hear your own mouth say it. You'll be judged out of your own mouth because you knew it. Write it down and then just do it. Can I give you a little piece of advice? Just do it. Can we steal, it from, can we steal that from Nike? <laughs> just do it. Do what he tells you to do because that is just a glorious life, what he called you to do. Now, I want you to, to go and look at our wheel here, our vision, our plan. You're going to see this a lot if you're a part of Life Church because pretty much every, well, not, take the pretty much out, everything we do is right here. Our vision is right in the middle. We are banking everything on you being transformed, your own heart being transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ. And when you're transformed, good things come out of that. How does this, how, what's the plan to change the community? Gang, we're not going to change the community until we are changed and we get changed by God. And then there's these, these four things. But here's what I've discovered, even as a staff, because we dis, we, we're discussing a lot how to get better at these things. Here's what I discovered, that we tend to gravitate to these four things on the outside. This is just where our eyes go. I think it's just the way humans think. Okay, just give me the work, Pastor Brian. Just give me the list. What do I got to do? All right, these four things. Thank you. Make it plain. Give me my list. What do I got to do? All right. 
Life groups, okay. Devotions, check, did it. Pray for one, God, something, one person, check, got it. All right, serve on a dream team, check, did it. All right, life groups, check. All right, I'm done. But I'm depressed, Pastor Brian. (laughs) Gang, that's not the way it works. It it doesn't, doesn't work from the outside in. It doesn't. Now, let's be clear. These things do feed a transformed life, absolutely. But that isn't where it starts. Have you ever noticed in the middle, in the middle, yes, is your life, your heart being transformed, but there's something actually in the middle of that. You ever notice that right in there? Can you even see that? I don't know if you can see up there, but there's, there's words right in between the R and the M. Can you, can you see it or not? Just believe me, they're there. <laughs> what is in the middle of a transformed life? Well, gosh, I guess we're going to have to expand this to see what's in the middle of that. <gasps> There it is. See, there's the R, there's the M. Have you never noticed that before? That's because it's never been there before. I just put it there for this sermon. And for another sermon, I might put something else there. So, but just but for today. Gang, it starts with the revelation of grace. It starts. It, 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 the wheel never starts rolling until you get it. Oh. <gasps> Dad's got a hose. Until you get that, forget it. You'll work that wheel. And, oh, Pastor Brian, I tried that life group thing. Man, I, I did my devotions, Pastor Brian. I read it. I mean, could you realize how antithetical that is to, 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 to approach any sort of Bible reading plan with this thought? I'm going to please God. I'm going to impress God with my study, with my Bible reading. How backwards is that? That's not the way it works. We, it's out of a heart that God is at work in. By the way, the word of God, the Bible is never going to be alive to you. It's never going to make sense. It's never going to feed you until you're approaching it with a different heart. A revelation that your good father has good things for you and, and you approach it that way. You approach it from a revelation. Now, I've chosen these words carefully. It's not just grace that's in the middle. You say, well, yeah, isn't it? It's just grace. Well, in your most discouraged moment of life, grace is there for you. So what's the difference? How, how, could, how is it possible to go a year completely discouraged while grace is utterly, is, well, grace is right there. The grace of God is right there for me. How is that possible? It's not that the grace isn't there. What are you missing? You're missing a revelation of it. That's what enlightens us. That revelation is when the lights come on. And gang, we are at least, now, now God is the one who reveals. Let's be clear. We, we're not responsible to turn on the light, right? I mean, the power company is in charge of that, right? And God's doing a pretty good job on that end, all right? We are responsible, though, to just, you do have to open your heart to it. You don't have to turn on the light, but you do have to open your heart, open your eyes, open your mind, just say, God, reveal yourself. You open yourself to it, and out of that revelation of grace, let me just stop here and make sure you understand what I'm saying. I'm saying when, you, when it finally hits you, what Jesus Christ accomplished, that I'm going to spend an eternity in heaven because of his sacrifice. I can add nothing to it. I can't add anything to it. Any, any sacrifice, any sacrificial thing that I do, any hard and difficult thing. Have you ever done anything difficult to serve other people? Or you ever done anything difficult? Two of you? 
Hopefully, you t- yes. I, ultimately, if you're going to follow Christ, you are going to end up doing some difficult things. You're going you're to end up laying your life down, but you're not doing those things to impress God. You're doing those things because you are impressed with God. It's a completely different thing. It starts with a, a revelation that just the fact that what Jesus Christ accomplished, he took what I deserve. He took my punishment. Every, every punishment that I deserve for every rotten thing I've ever done, every bad thought I've ever had, every funk I've ever been in, every, every bit of all of it. He took God's punishment, God's wrath for all of that. He took what I deserve, so now I get what he deserves. That's the, if it's anything other than that, if it's based on your sacrifice, the wheels come off the wagon. It's got to be based on his. That's a revelation of grace. It starts right there. But it doesn't stop there. It just keeps going. So I just want to talk a little bit for the, for the next hour. I want to talk about... <clears throat> what are you guys... <laughs> Don't lie in church. All right. <clears throat> I want to talk about what, what does a revelation of grace actually feel like? What does it smell like? Pastor Brian, okay, I, I, I agree with you. I get it. I get it. I understand. How would I know if I've actually got that? Well, first of all, what, what is Grace. There's a lot of ways, a lot of scriptures. This is just one I'm going to use today. My grace is sufficient for you. Grace is that thing that comes from God that is so multifaceted. It's wherever, wherever the divot is in your life, it's the water of God that fills up whatever the need happens to be. As, as many human dysfunctions as there are, there are that many varieties of God's grace. So wherever the need is, wherever the hole is, grace is that water that just comes and fills it up. It just fills it up. And Jesus Christ has provided a flood that you cannot, you cannot provide a hole that he can't fill. That's what grace is. It just fills it up. And his grace is sufficient for you. Whatever the need is, whatever, again, there's, no matter how many people there are, there's that many varieties. And we all think that our variety, our version of dysfunction is the one that God can't handle. It's the one that he's never heard of before. It's the one that he's shocked with. Do you know that when you confess your sin to God, it's not when he finds out about it? Did you know you've never confessed your sin to God? And he's like, what? Oh my gosh. You did that? (laughs) No, no, that's not what he found out. (laughs) His grace is sufficient. So how would I know if I'm actually living with that revelation of his, the water of his grace filling my divots? How would I know? I think you're going to end up feeling some things. Now, I, I struggled with choosing these words because I'm like, okay, because it isn't start there. It isn't a feeling. Let's be clear. It is not a feeling. This is the end product I'm giving you. You can't live week after week, month after month, year after year, with a revelation of what Jesus Christ has accomplished. You can't live without ultimately ending up landing in a place where you, where you see, I can't lose. I can't lose. I cannot lose. It doesn't, it's not hanging on me. I can't lose. You end up feeling love. You, you can't get a revelation that my dad's got a hose without feeling, it, you, without enjoying life. You just can't do it. Here's one of many scriptures. It just helps me. When Je- Jesus, these are the words of Jesus. Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. 
He's talking to you. I chose you. You're not here because you're smart and holy. You're here because he chose you. He's real to you because he's revealed himself to you. He chose you. Just enjoy it. Enjoy it. Don't analyze it. Enjoy it. You're going to feel loved. The second one I struggled even more with. I'm like, how do I describe this? And I, I mean, 10 years ago, I would never, never would have used these words because they don't sound biblical. You know, they don't sound deep enough. I think you're going to feel successful. Now, here's why I would have struggled with that 10 years ago. Because I'm like, oh, come on. So you're, you're just saying that if we serve God, he's going to make us all a millionaire and this. He's going to make us all successful. Okay, I'm not using success in the terms that the world defines it. The Apostle Paul wrote a fair bit of these these words that we feed on day after day from a a prison cell. I think he felt that right in that cell. I do. I do. I think he knew good and well that he was who God made him to be, that he was in the right place at the right time. I think he knew God put him there. I don't know if he knew that what he was writing was actually scripture. I don't know that. Obviously, he felt the anointing of God to, to write that. But did he know that? I don't know if he knew that. But I think he felt success in the way God wants you to feel successful. A revelation that I am God's kid. I I am who he's made me. I'm where he's put me. I'm in the right place at the right time. I'm not a mistake. Again, so many scriptures I could use, but here's one. Paul said this, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I love that. By the grace of God. There just has to be this baseline in your life. Now, let's be clear. We are in the process of overcoming. We are in the process of growing and and sanctification where things in our life are being fixed. We're we're clear on that, okay? But there still has to be a baseline in our life where we recognize that we can just look in the mirror, whether or not it's the physical mirror, but we can just look at ourselves in the, the mirror of life and we can, what we see, we can be happy with that I am what I am by the grace of God, that who he made me and what he made me. I don't know, if, is anybody in here old enough to remember there was a TV series in the 70s and I think it went into the 80s called Happy Days with the Fonz? You guys remember the Fonz? How many of you have never heard of the Fonz? Raise your hand if you've never heard of the Fonz. Oh, wow. You, Brandy, you never heard of the Fonz? Did you raise your hand? Oh, it's done. You've missed a lot. I think in every episode, part of the clip that, that began the show was the Fonz was this really cool guy. And they had this clip where, where he, was, he, he went up to a mirror and he's got his comb. He, this was back, at the, the, the show was back in the 50s, so he's got this grease back hair and he's the cool guy, you know. And he, he comes up to a mirror with a comb. He's about ready to fix it and he goes, hey. he looks and he realizes, can't improve that. (laughs) Gang, there's got to be some of that in the core of your gut. I understand there are things that are still being fixed, but there still has to be that overall looking at who God made you that you can just look at yourself and you're like, hey, not so bad. Awesome. Can't improve that. There has to be that in the core of your being. And how do I get that? How do I, that, is, that does not come by self-help classes. That does not come by self-improvement. That comes by looking in a completely different mirror. It, becomes, it comes by looking at God, looking at his word. Now, now that you're starting with this revelation, now the word of God is going to feed that. 
Yes, the Bible is wildly important and it feeds that, but don't start with the Bible being how I get there. You start with the revelation of what Jesus Christ has accomplished and now you're just, you're just sitting with your father, getting a revelation. Hopefully that's why you come to church, not to earn, but just to unfog that mirror a little bit better to help you see because you are who you are by the grace of God. And there are, I could go through a long list. There are so many different aspects of our life that we just struggle with that are just no more than just the way God made us. Let me give you, give you an example in my life. I struggled for years because I knew I'm in ministry. I'm called to ministry. And we all know that I've, I mean, a huge part of ministry is people, right? Connecting with people. And I'm, I'm a little bit introverted. And for many years, I just struggled. I just so condemned myself. I'm never going to be able to do what God's called me to do with this dysfunction in me and there's something wrong with me. And then, and then people like Tom Pequeno will just bug the fire out of me. It's like, oh, sure, Mr. Gregarious, you know, great, great. He can just connect with everybody and have these natural flowing, he's your best friend in like two minutes, you know. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but it didn't bless me because I'm like, oh, until I'm that, that's obviously the goal. And until, until I see that in the mirror, I got to keep combing. Oh, and every time I look in the mirror, oh, there was never a moment where it was like, hey, because I'm just choosing what we could go to a lot of different Examples. You know, one, just really quick, one other quick example, though, is a lot of us, honestly, even just our own physical appearance, odd as that may sound, we still struggle with that. Still look in the mirror and like, can I just get on your toes for a second? That's a sin. Yeah, yeah. You, you think that's just, oh, you know, that's just, just human. You'd be, no, no, no. That's a sin. To, to look at yourself and that, that, that little, oh, no. God says, do not, do not be discouraged. Do not, you're listening to a wrong voice. You're, you're listening to a completely wrong voice. It's the grace of God. He made us. And when we just keep looking to him, keep looking to him, he's the one with the hose. He's the one who cleans us off. We are a little muddy. He's the one who cleans us off, and we'll just keep that revelation. We have a good father. Keep looking to him. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me, and we're going to close today. Now, if you're here, and whether or not it fit into one of my categories, there's, there would be a hundred potential reasons for discouragement, a hundred potential reasons to be dissatisfied with yourself. Whether or not you fit my categories, if, if you just put the thermometer in your heart right now and say, you know what, I think there's probably more discouragement. I've allowed discouragement to build a nest. And it's possible I've allowed this to go a little bit farther than is healthy. And I just need to deal with it by the grace of God. Nobody's looking around, but it makes a difference when you actually respond to God. It makes a difference when you acknowledge truth to Him. It's all He asks. Just acknowledge truth. 
if you've allowed discouragement to go places you shouldn't have, nobody's looking around, but if that's you, would you just lift your hand up real quick? I think, I think that's me. Let's all, let's just, can we all just repeat this prayer so that no, no one individual might feel embarrassed that they're saying, let's all just say this out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace. Lord, thank you for taking what I deserve so I get what you deserve. Lord Jesus, thank you for making me special. Thank you for making me me. Lord, I thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace in my life. Lord, you are with me. Every moment of every day, you are with me. And you have good plans. And I look to you. And I trust you. Now, let me just pray for you. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name for every last one of us here that we will continue to look to you to be the God, the Father. You are the one with the hose. You are the one who cleans us and washes us. We want to keep looking to you. God, help us to see what you see. Help us to see it. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody says...